With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. Gents, it had to be West Ham. What a team. What a game. What a club. And we look what we've started as well. Just Spurs have fallen to bits. Yeah. They? Well, they do say that the best emulate the best. And so I think Ajax did that. <laughs> you think that Ajax, Champions League semi-finalists, thought, you know what, how can we set up best to beat Spurs? Let's copy West Ham. Uh, appar- well, apparently there was a picture of Mikhail Antonio up in the away dressing room last <laughs> night. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I mean, what's great is that, you know, Arsenal fans will claim that North London's red and Tottenham fans will, will claim that North London's white and navy blue, but it's not. It's claret and blue. Of course it is. Of course it is. We've dominated. Yeah, turn up at the Emirates, wipe the floor of Arsenal. Another again, one nil. Bobby Zamora wipe the floor of them. It's Another cult hero, Mikel Antonio, turns up and does the same thing at Spurs. What a week to be alive! Yeah, some Spurs fans will say that you know they had one eye on the uh, on the on the Champions League semi final. Must have been a lazy eye though. Oi, you've, have oh. you been, have you been storing these up all I've week? Been, I've been I've been waiting. <laughs> uh, I've said it all to be mates, but I need now to then to share it with the general public. It's a real shame we don't have a webcam here in the studio because for those of you listening, the look of sheer unadulterated glee on the face <laughs> of James been, Jones. The moment full time whistle went on on Saturday, I was like, I cannot wait for Wednesday night. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> when we had Dan Tracy on the Tottenham fan last week, got to get him back on tonight. I really want him back on. Well, what, what I want to do is we actually had Will on the Spurs fan show last week. And Will, I thought, was very brave. He gave it quite large to the Spurs fans in their own backyard. Nice, they that. were having none of it. They kept referring to your stadium as the council tip, which I thought wasn't polite. Yeah. But Will kept his cool and just said, listen, I'm confident we're going to win the game. And it- what score did I say, Johnny? Did you say 1-0? One 1-0. Nil. One nil. I said oh, it on this show and the Spurs impressed. show as well, love, yeah. Love that. It's funny how they, the Tottenham fans have a go at our stadium, go call it the council tip and, you know, the, the, Just the, they the, Olymp- it, the Olympics it? skip and stuff like mm. that. They wanted it more than we did. That's it. And they don't care about us, remember, James? Uh, they don't care about us, don't no. Don't care about West Ham. No. We've actually, I've actually liked a lot of, um, uh, what do they call it these days, salty, salty, salty tweets <laughs> from, from Tottenham fans that uh, after the game on Saturday, which we'll read out in a little bit, 
um, which will make everyone laugh. I think we're going to need some very sad violin music for that segment of the show. We should show. do that. We should do that. You two, of course, were both very, very confident last week. There was there was no doubt in your minds that you were going to do this. Of course, you mentioned that history of being the first away team to win at the Emirates, the last away team to win at Highbury. Is this just coincidence or is there something about the DNA of West Ham, the psychology perhaps of West Ham that means actually when a big uh, club, no disrespect, gets a new ground and starts giving it large, there's just a part of you that goes, no, sorry, lads, I'm not having that. I think we just, we like to, we do turn up for the big occasions anyway, don't mm. we? And I think, I mean, when you've got Bobby Zamora up front, it's, you know, it's not too much of a surprise. I think I've read a few headlines. Of the What's week. not too much of a surprise? <laughs> well, when he falls over. No, you're joking that he's pinging them in from all sorts of range. But no, I, I read a few headlines afterwards um, about West Ham's, West Ham's performance and some papers referring to it as, oh, Pochettino blames stress and fatigue after shock West Ham loss. So I, I don't know what the shock is. Nah. There's no shock at all. Nah. Mikel Antonio... Marco Anatovic and Felipe Anderson is your front three. They're going to cause anyone fear, aren't they? The sweet spot for me on this is that you know a lot of people complain about the, the deal that West Ham got in that in that in our stadium, um, and a lot of people forget conveniently that you know the reason why we got the deal that we get, did is because Tottenham threw their toys out the pram when it was initially announced that we were going to get the stadium. So that that was then it was then reviewed in you know. In the in the House of uh, House of Commons, I think, and and then in court that we weren't allowed to buy. No one was allowed to buy a stadium. We've got to rent it, or well, because Tottenham contested the fact that we were going to be allowed to buy it. Mm. Um, then they were allowed to go and build their all singing all dancing cheese factory, and it's all going to be all singing all dancing. It's going to be fantastic, and it is. It's a nice looking stadium. It's all right. Um, you know, have to play uh, the sound of fans through the through the uh, the tunnel to to make it seem like there's a decent atmosphere. Uh, which was revealed and exposed on on Saturday afternoon, but the sweet spot about beating them is that they they always said you know they kicked they threw their toys out the pan for our stadium move, then got, spent a billion pound on on that stadium that they've got now, um, and then they did all of that all of that just to allow Michael Antonio to take the mick with that celebration. And that smile and is back, fantastic. by the way, on James Jones' face. The smile is fantastic. Back. And it wasn't just that Michael Antonio ruined their form in the Premier League, because there's an argument there that actually we did see an overhang into their Champions League form, having, of course, not lost a single game at this new ground. Suddenly, they've lost two in a week. Do you think West Ham can perhaps take a little bit of credit for that Ajax result as well? I think absolutely, because I think Ajax were almost as good as us weren't they last night almost almost yeah I explained I explained really well last night and I think uh, you know success breeds success in football doesn't it and it's very easy for for if you if you have a defeat for that to that infect the squad a little bit and I I tweeted before the game I remember that I saw the saw the Tottenham lineup and I thought it was quite sensible from Pochettino putting five at the back and realizing that without his you know, without Sun and Kane, that for the first leg they were going to lack a bit of attacking threat, and that the important thing was to shut Ajax off and not concede that vital away goal and back his team for the second leg for Sun to when Sun would be back for you know for him to perhaps give them that advantage. And I tweeted, and I did just say, I tweeted that you know I really hope that despite this sensible setup from Pochettino, I hope the crushing defeat to West Ham at the weekend hasn't seeped into their mindset. And unfortunately, it had. And Ajax scored, and they were by far the better team. And I just really hope 
that West Ham United thrashing them one 0 at the weekend <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean that they uh, doesn't mean they crash out the semi final and or the self acclaimed biggest tie of their history. So yeah, know. no, I think that I think it probably would have been in the back of their minds. You know, they they went into to our game at the weekend. You know, thinking that they were you know believing that they were invincible at this new stadium. Um, and there was that general feeling before the game that. Um, I was a little bit worried that, you know, okay, I, I did say on the show last week that I, I felt confident that we could go there and, uh, and cause an upset. Um, but they've lost that feeling of in- invincibility at that new stadium now. Do you so think you've broken was, the spell? Do you I, think, I think there was so. this belief they've, they've, that they've, as they've, long as they didn't lose, they weren't going to? Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. That's what I mean by, you know, that, that feeling of invincibility at that, at that stadium. They lose that going into the biggest game in their history. Um, and it all goes wrong and they lose again. Um, luckily, it, it, it stayed, for them anyway, it stayed at 1-0. I mean, they can still go to Amsterdam and, and, and get a result and get into the final. Um, so, I mean, they did well to keep it to 1-0. I mean, I exit the post. and they, As they and, did against us. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, okay, they've got injuries. Spurs have got injuries and, and whatnot. But we, we completely deserved that win on Saturday. No one can take that away from us. We... we fully deserve the three points absolutely and touching on the Champions League there do you think Spurs are still in that tie unfortunately yes I think when when Ajax hit the post in the second half as that ball as he'd hit the ball into the ground it had trickled past a static Lloris I was just seeing it nestling in the corner and I thought that was it tie over if that had gone in mm. but yeah I think you know 1-0 with a 1-0 just the one away goal it doesn't really change the dynamic too much because whether it's nil nil or one nil, Tottenham are always going to have to score going into that away leg. So they're still going to have to do that. They just start in a you know slightly behind. But yeah, I, I, I do think they're still in it. And with Sun coming back as well, I think as the game wore on, Ajax did look more and more vulnerable. And I thought mm. Tottenham were going to score last night actually mm. but so yeah they're, they're by no means out of it completely but again it's just that that mindset isn't it two defeats on the spin you never know what effect that can have on a team yeah, could we see them crumble there is of course Champions League action tonight Barcelona host Liverpool that kicks off at eight o'clock we'll be touching on that throughout the show bringing you updates as well and coming up we talked about a certain Mr Antonio a lot last week is he done has he got a future at West Ham that was quite a big game to score Goring, if you're fighting for your future. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. And we were talking about Mikhail Antonio a lot last week. There was an argument going on. Has he got something to offer? Is that aerial presence enough? Possibly not. But West Ham are a club with quite a history of cult heroes. To be a cult history hero of course you don't have to be the perfect footballer and that goal against West against Spurs at that new stadium is so so big it's so big for the fans it will give you bragging rights forever has he bought himself another year or two just for that it's funny I was thinking that straight after the game about you saying that last week James and I was convinced I was back in love with him again even though I will admit that before he scored I was giving him dogs abuse the whole <laughs> game because I just it was a, a similar sort of thing again we were we were like I thought we managed the game really well and we were getting the ball we were picking the ball up inside our own half and counter-attacking which was obviously how Pellegrini had set the team up and the ball would go out wide to Antonio and he'd have a lot of space and you think oh here we go and the players would be pouring forward 
and he'd just do his usual thing of doing his little shoulder shimmy to try and make the defender move. The defender would stay stock still, and then he'd run out of ideas and just try and shank the ball into the defender and run in a straight line, as always. So I must I I was giving him a, a lot of stick beforehand, and all the people that I was watching the game with were very quick to pounce on me as I was losing my head when he put us one new up. You know, I thought uh, thought Antonio wasn't all that clever, Will, but <laughs> I was uh, more than happy to eat humble pie after that. That's for sure. I think I think what we said last week was that you know this is a player that tends to just sort of just pop up at the big moments, and I don't th- I, I don't see him even if we do you know he does stay for next season and the season beyond that. You know, I don't see him being the the first name on the team sheet, but you know, not by any stretch. I don't I don't think he's at that level, and you know as much as I love the guy. Uh, we've we've got certain ambitions, um, and we need to we need to target you know a certain quality of player in the transfer window. But that said, and it's a similar argument that I made for Lucas Perez last week as well, in that you know you need squad players, and the likes of Michael Antonio, the likes of Lucas Perez, can be effective, good and effective squad players for us. And I, I think that you know just to just because they they're not going to be in the start eleven every week doesn't mean that they can't make an impact. Okay, Michael Antonio the last few weeks he's been in the start eleven and he's made an impact, scored against Leicester, got the winner against Spurs. Um but he's not going to be the guy that we turn to every week next next season or the season after that. Um I think he's worth keeping. Purely you know, the fans love him. He's he, he's written himself into the history books with that goal anyway. He did with a winner against Spurs in the last season at Upton Park. You know, he is a cult hero at the club. And um, you want to keep these those, those those sort of players around just to keep the fans on side as well. I mean, we know how quick the fans have to turn on the board um, after all the problems, and quite rightly so, in many, many cases, quite rightly so. Um, so the fans got to keep... keep uh, the, the board have got to keep the fans on the side. Keep him. If he's happy playing that role, keep him. I don't see why not. Yeah, I, I just... I can't quite, even after that at the weekend, because all I think, like, I think just of Winston Reid. be happy Reed. for him, mate. Yeah, no, no, I do. No, but I mean, going forward, I just think we've got Yarmolenko to come back. I, I do. I do think he he will he will stay, and I do think he should. I have come round on that. Is that just because he scored a big goal, Will? No, it, it honestly isn't. <laughs> it, it's actually, and I'm, I'm loath to admit this most of the time, but James had, did really swing my opinion on it the last couple of weeks, just with, because uh, we've both spent a lot of the time this season looking at where we'd need to improve, and it's quite easy to get sucked into just looking at each individual player's individual attributes, what they contribute, and... You know, we've we've tagged a lot of people as dead wood this year, mm. and I, you know, I've realised that if if you just do that, you you risk doing a bit of a Fulham and just doing too much. That it's just not feasible to rip out half of the squad, even if they aren't really deserving of a of a big contract or aren't really deserving of a place in a Premier League top half squad, which we might not be this season. But and I think Antonio brings a lot off the pitch as well. He's obviously a popular character in the changing room, isn't he? I think the club love him because he'll always stand in front of the camera. He gives them good, you know, content and stuff. They fire out a lot of stuff with him on the social media. And he's just a good guy to have around. And I think he's happy there as well, which is often an overrated attribute Mm. in a player, isn't it? So... I must admit, James, I will give you that one because over the last few weeks I've softened my stance on him a bit. Thanks, so mate. I, I, can see, I can see him at West Ham for another year. Talking of Antonio's love of social media, talking about the way that he's very tapped into popular culture, let's talk about that celebration. <laughs> 
because it was absolutely bizarre. He scores the goal and then starts sort of gyrating along the side of the pitch. A lot of people, it's weird this because a lot of people seem surprised that he that he celebrated like that. Like we're used to it is a bit odd. Be used to Antonio celebrating in like, weird with, ways, with, the running with, man or you know, whatever. He's done so many. Mm. Um, and it was all born out that he did the Homer Simpson his, his <laughs> first goals for us, and and um, he's he's said many many occasions that you know he wants to you know bring a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of you know uh, a, a few laughs and a few jokes along the way when he when he scores. So and he said it after the game as well. He said you know he saw a guy dancing on. It was an Instagram. His, yeah, a guy yeah, called a guy yeah. called Dan Root. The best. So the quotes from Antonio on this. I just want to touch on them. They start very innocuously. There's this guy on Instagram, Dan Root, that does crazy dance moves. Okay, no problem there. Fair play, Mikhail. Then I saw it the other day, and I've been busting it out in a couple of clubs. <laughs> Time to bring it out on the pitch. Clearly, I mean, perhaps we should be criticising him for being in a couple of clubs, but it seems to be working. No, I don't criticise that. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people take the stance that you know, players shouldn't be out enjoying themselves because they've got a job to do. They're footballers, but, you know, what do you do in your spare time? Yeah, they're humans. You know, they're well, humans. They? They've got, yeah, okay, they've got a job to do, but they've got their camp. spare time. I don't go to nightclubs. No, you <laughs> don't. professional. No. Oh, is it? Yeah. But okay. you're, you're a better broadcaster than Antonio who's a footballer, Johnny. That's not true. That's, no, that's definitely not true. Not you're right, true. actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, by always, and if going out clubbing twice a week means you score against Tottenham away, mm. and you score goals like that, then crack on, mate. Go yeah. clubbing a bit yeah, more. Yeah, no, do it. Keep doing it. Bring out the dance moves. Bring out some new dance moves. Like, I want to see more of it. Yeah, I like, did like the carpet one. I did like that a lot when he laid down the yeah, stro- stroke yeah. the carpet. The it was week. nice. Yeah. It was fitting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Very topical. And as a final point on the Foden question, the Foden question, the Antonio question, rather, we'll come on to Foden in a moment. Where does that goal rank in terms of your favourites for this season? Well, I, I don't know about this season, but whenever I talk about cult hero status, I often think of Winston Reid. And although he was a fantastic central defender for us for a long, long time, I always think and think he will always be remembered for the last goal up to Park against Man United the goal at Tottenham away in the 3-0 where Ravel Morrison scored and also the goal at home against Millwall and I think those moments like that go such a long way and the same thing with Zamora with the goals at the Emirates and the hybrid goals and and the playoff final against Preston yeah they just go such a long way don't they to the goals in the big moments everyone you know has ups and downs in their football career but to step up to the plate in games that mean so much to the fans like Antonio did at the weekend just sets you aside regardless of what you do on the pitch day to day yeah I mean look at Carlton Cole prime example Modibo Maiga as well Modibo Maiga but Carlton Cole is, a, is the prime example of that because I mean, he'd probably be the first to me he wasn't the best player in the world um, but he always gave 110% and he scored a lot of important goals um, he scored a gr- couple of great goals against Tottenham. He scored the winner in, uh, or a goal in the playoff final for us. Um, he scored in the semi final of the League Cup for us. He scored a lot of a lot of important goals, and because of the effort he put in and the important goals he scored, he'll always be known as as a legend of West Ham. Even though, uh, you know, if you look at what he achieved at West Ham, he's far from legend status. But fans will still call him a legend because of that. And I think Antonio and like, the likes of Winston Reid and Antonio, you know. Could be. I'm not saying that they're legends of the football club, but they'll be spoken in the same in the same you know breath as the likes of Carlton Carnap because of 
what they've done for us while they've been at the club. And personality is relevant as well with Absolutely, Carlton Cole yeah. and, and with Antonio. If you're likeable, if you have a laugh with the fans, that counts for a lot. That's an important part of the game. It's not perhaps a fundamental part of the game. The fundamental, above all really, that we get taught when we're growing up is to be noble in defeat, uh, to be noble in victory and to not whine when you get turned over at your new stadium. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> this is Love Sport. unbeaten record at their new stadium (laughs) cruelly taken from them far too soon far too young by West Ham United and you know you're going to lose eventually the record is going to go the important thing is to be dignified to be mature to congratulate your opponents and James I'm hearing that that's not quite what's been going on on Twitter no they've um, straight after full time so there was lots of uh, bitter social media activity from Tottenham fans and it was it was quite upsetting to see them so down and so upset and um, I suppose this is an ode to them really we just want to read out their their tributes to to West Ham's cup final <laughs> as many of them will call yeah, it sorry Johnny it's important we take this seriously this isn't a laughing matter this has hurt I quite apologize. a lot of people I, I apologize. Tottenham persuasion so I know you just said that but it's worth pointing out that it, you know they called it a cup final Mm. Uh, and we won that cup final mm. and they were involved in that cup final That's it, yep. and the way I see it is that it could be the only cup final they're involved in this season <sighs> so could they, they not say the same of you James they could do well technically we've, we've had two it. we've had two this year Spurs um, twice so yeah like it is what it is you know if we, but th- th- again th- important to remember though before we read these out once again no, they don't care about us James remember they don't we're, care irrelevant. About us. we're irrelevant <laughs> they don't care okay. about us. Will are you going to kick us off mate uh, yeah, so um, Mark Ben Amram. Um, oh, he's, he's a journalist. Yeah, he is a journalist. Yeah, hard to criticise the team as a whole. It hurts because it's a derby, but this squad is depleted and are running on empty. Again, West Ham haven't got any injuries, so it's mm-hmm. just Tottenham that affects. Tottenham's biggest game in our history is on Tuesday last night. However, West Ham's biggest game in their history was today. <laughs> One last push. And again, that biggest game in our history, we won it, didn't we? 1-0. We won so. it, yeah. And, and they lost their biggest That's game it. in history. So yeah. it's worth pointing that one Go out. Go on, James. You've got Another it. one is uh, Talking THFC. Uh, I know the, the the lad that runs this account. Um, embarrassing for him. <laughs> uh, I thought we were going to say he's a really nice guy. So oh, he's oh, he's, to do this. Oh, he, but no, embarrassing. No, he's a lo- he's a lovely guy. Uh, but it's it's embarrassing that he's, I've seen him tweet this. Uh, what an experience for those travelling West Ham fans today. By the way, being that close to the pitch is once in a lifetime stuff for them. Magic. I mean. We That's cl- not bad. Yeah, but we were closest to the pitch when we lost to Wimbledon. Uh, so, <laughs> judging by the fact that we won this one, shows that we prefer to be a little bit further away from the pitch. So, uh, right back at you, Sean. Um, I've got yeah, just 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 some some nice standard stuff. Enjoy your big day, West Ham. Enjoy your cup final. This is the only time this will ever happen in your history. 
I mean, statistically very unlikely. I know it's it's happened before and it will happen again. <laughs> but, um, Many a time before. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, um, it, to be fair, it will only happen once in our history where we become the first away team to win at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That won't happen again. That's something that can never be taken away yeah, from our club, James. To be fair, he's factually correct then. Yes, yeah. Good so, you know, there's nothing to point out there. James, you got any more? Yeah, we got Neil. Uh, that was a lacklustre performance. Important to point out that he spelt lacklustre wrong. How's he spelt uh, it? Uh, just lack and then a separate word luster well disappointed um, <laughs> completely wrong sorry Neil uh, the team was not at their best they their spelt wrong wrong word. <laughs> uh, West Ham wanted it more especially in their the wrong there cup final hashtag come on you Spurs and Brad Matthews oh West Ham is that it no <laughs> congratulations on winning our cup final but as you have the bus parade on Tuesday guess what we'll be doing Brad losing to losing Ajax losing to Ajax is it mate just shaming it. That's another one I've got here, actually. Absolutely disgraceful today, but it doesn't matter because there's no chance we'll play like that on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I know it's not a laughing matter. No, he's right. I mean, I've said I this before. This isn't funny. I don't think we're taking this seriously enough. But it turns out, James, just looking back to that, that they did actually play like that again last night. Yeah. And they're now 1-0 down in the yeah. semi-final of the Champions League. So... 1-0 down, 2 and away goal, of course, mm. which is even worse. With these fans behaving like this on Twitter after a defeat, it is understandable. Football is a game of emotions. It's a game of passion. You know, you don't want to see your team lose, let alone in a London derby. So easy to see why people go online and vent. But have either of you ever got involved in a bit of a scrap? Have you ever seen someone have a pop at West Ham and actually given a bit back on Twitter? I used to. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't mind it when... When fans, you know, they, you know, okay, fans get caught up in the moment, um, and they say things that, you know, I don't mind if they say things that are factually correct. Like, I'm, I'm going to go again, Ben, Tottenham fan. The kids tried today. You didn't play your youth team, Ben. Mm. You played a, a, your strongest team that was side, available. Side, that, that was available. You know, Ericsson played. As did we. Some yeah. played. Um, so, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a little bit bitter, but then say things factually, then I've got no no time. For, you know, I've got all the time in the world for it. It's fine, you know. But to to start saying things that are actually cup final, oh, we played the kids today. Oh, you know, we've got be- we've got bigger fish to fry. Do you think it's Come petty? On. It is petty. Um, you know, I understand why fans do it. You know, de- suddenly defense mechanism. You know that they want to make sure that you know they want people to think that they don't really care about it. You know it's fine, mm. um, but really they're crying inside, um, and it's weird. I mean, I've been guilty of it. Um, you know, many a time where I've got involved in silly little Twitter spats and made myself to look really, really stupid because <laughs> you know when when you when you're on the outside looking in on these little Twitter arguments, you think, God, these guys got to grow up, haven't they? And I've been involved in it. I have. I must admit, actually, I did. I nibbled at Henry Winter the other day. I saw you do that. Oh, you've gone for a big fish I there. Know, I mean, pra- I mean, of all the nibbles. Yeah. <laughs> and perhaps if I was a little bit more relevant than I am, he might have replied. He was sitting there with his fishing rod going, got one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But his, his tweet was, bravo to Sheffield United, unfairly relegated in 2007 yeah. due to the West Ham Tevez saga. And I must admit, I'd been talking about that to someone that day anyway so I was already a bit irate about it so I just replied and let him know that Sheffield United lost seven of their last 11 games that season but that doesn't one of, one of which included three uh, no they, they yep, actually they beat, beat West Ham three nil at Bramwell Lane yep. and Tevez played that day yep Michael Tong free kick I was there it was horrendous but however 
Sorry. He's not on. wrong, though, is he? I mean, if... No, he is wrong, Johnny. Is he? Yeah, if you go on my Twitter, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> clear but detail, I mean, yeah. I, I they, take they your could, point about... All they had to do was beat Wigan on the last day and, and they would have stayed up. They lost to Wigan. But if West Ham hadn't signed Carlos Tevez, then West Ham would have had far fewer points. No? We finished 15th that year. Not really quantifiable. But, however, to go back to your point, because I think the Sheffield United one has been solidly put to bed by me in emphatic fashion. <laughs> Henry Winter is just yeah, still I know. Really He hasn't late. been the same since, to be honest. <laughs> he's, been, he's been looking at his phone going, I need to reply to Will, but I don't know how I'm going to do Yeah, he is going to come back to you. He's just taking his time. Exactly. But on the on the Tottenham thing, I've got two, two of my very close friends, and they were part of the same close-knit group of friends. Two of them support Tottenham. And I've said to you before, I've apologised to you before, James, for having friends who support Tottenham. Tottenham. But these two, they're very good mates of mine. And one of them is what I'll call a sensible Tottenham fan. He's a sensible, realistic football fan who talks sense. And They exist? He, they? I know. I didn't know until I met him. But the other one, who's part of this friendship group, just he's insane. He Unbearable. Just, he's, yeah, he's one of those sickening, just absolute blinded by everything Spurs. And talking to them about the game, the sensible one afterwards, obviously I've been giving him a bit of ribbon all week, and the sensible one turned around and said, "Ah, oh, mate, yeah." He said, "Yeah, fair play." Like I was gutted on Saturday night. It's like you lot being the first play, the first team to beat win at the stadium. It's just ah, oh, can't cope because you're going to be unbearable for ages. And yeah, nah, fair play. Yeah, give it to me. And the other one, honestly, is pathetic. <laughs> oh no, nah, honestly, I didn't actually care. I couldn't have cared less after Saturday. I'm you know just thinking about Tuesday, such a big night and. You know, we don't care about you anyway, do we? Because it's only West Ham. But that's what, I mean, when people come out and say things like that, all that does is highlight in big capital letters how much they care about the fact that West Ham United became the first away team to win at Tottenham's new ground. We're in the history books forever. Yeah. And it's brilliant. They would have rather almost anyone you would have thought. With that in mind, a glorious week for West Ham's men, but it could also be an even better week for West Ham's women. They've got an FA Cup final coming up on Saturday. And in just a moment, we'll be talking about that. What an achievement it is, what their chances are, and what it could mean for the women's game at West Ham. West Ham. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined on the line by Ella German, who's a football journalist frequently covering the WSL. And she does, of course, also support West Ham. Good evening, Ella. Thanks ever so much for joining us. An FA Cup final for the, for the West Ham ladies. It's a wonderful achievement. Yeah, definitely. It's a huge achievement for West Ham. I think, especially when we look at their journey over the past 12 months, it was only a year ago they were still a third division side. Now they're in the WSL, sitting mid-table, which is a remarkable achievement in the first place. I think if we look to the FA Cup, looking back to last year, they were knocked out in the second round by Coventry 6-1. So when we look at the run they've gone on this year to get to the final at Wembley of Manchester City, and as well combined with their achievements in the WSL, I think it's been a remarkable season all round for them. Ella, what do you put that journey down to? I mean, we, 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 there was a lot of controversy about sort of how, how they got their place in the WSL in the first place. Do you think that's sort of given given the side a bit, you know, you know, the impetus to really go on and achieve something brilliant? Or do you think there's sort of, you know, the investment that, you know, the club and, you know, the likes of Jack Sullivan Jr. has put in to really sort of you know, put a lot of focus into it? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think um, obviously West Ham has ambition there, which um, I think is something to be commended, um, given that you know not all clubs out there are putting the same energy and resources into the women's game. Mm. 
I think the investment was certainly a big factor. They brought in a lot more experienced players who have had WSL success. They brought in Jilly Fatty from Chelsea to play in centre-back, who's she's won the quadruple with Arsenal a few years back. Um, they've also brought in the likes of Claire Rafferty and Kate Longhurst to have won the WSL themselves. So I think the investment and the players they've brought in have been really important. But I also think in general, all the work that the likes of Matt Beard and Jack Sullivan have put in behind the scenes have really been important in getting West Ham to where they are. I think the documentary has been brilliant in shining a light on the women's game. Mm. And that's the BBC Three on... one, Ella, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good watch if you haven't seen it already, especially as a West Ham fan, getting to see the behind the scenes of what goes on daily at the training ground and the yeah, just all the hard work that not only the players put in, but also the people at the club. And I think they deserve a lot of recognition for that. Ella, on for the game this weekend, obviously it's a big it's a it's a big event for for the for the club as a whole. Just what what do you think? There's obviously been a lot in the news about the the kickoff clash with the with the men's game at home to Southampton, which kicks off at three, and then you've got the the evening kickoff at Wembley for the women. I think there's about thirty five thousand tickets been sold for the game at Wembley anyway, which is fantastic. What are your thoughts on on the clash and the inability for the the Premier League to move one or the other games to to accommodate. Yeah, I think it's a huge shame. Obviously, we've seen the rise in women's football attendances, and I think if the men weren't playing um, on the same day, then we could be looking at breaking those records that have been set at Spain with sixty thousand attendances. I think. I think the problem lies that they left it too late to solve. I mean, the quarterfinal weekend of the Women's FA Cup was wrapped up on the seventeenth of March. So I think what should have happened was then the four teams who were in the semi-finals, West Ham, Manchester City, Chelsea and Reading, should have said, right, you know what, we've got a good chance for our women's team making the FA Cup final here. Let's move our men's game on the 4th of May so that no matter what, it won't clash. But instead what's happened is the teams have got through to the final and suddenly the clubs have gone, oh, right, we we better do something, we better move it. I think it's a logistical problem that we're seeing not only with this FA Cup final, but also with women's football in general, is how not to make it clash with men's games. And I think it's it's a difficult problem to solve. Like We're looking at a congested sports schedule here, not just in football, um, but um, I think it's definitely a problem that could have been sorted out a few months ago. Yeah, absolutely. Ella, one other thing. West Ham, it's obviously their first year in the WSL this season, and, and they're seventh in the league, which out of, out of the 11 teams, you, if you sort of look at that, if you don't know too much about it, you might suggest that, that you know that's a pretty a pretty average performance. However, the the men are prob- in a similar uh, situation in their in their league. Yet they they unfortunately couldn't couldn't bring cup success along with their with their sort of disappointing uh, league form. Perhaps the the women have managed to do that, obviously. And the big game at the weekend is against Manchester City, who are currently second in the league. They're widely known as one of the best teams in the country and maybe in Europe. What, how do you rate the, the rate the women's chances for, for the weekend? Yeah, well, as you said, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, Manchester City are one of the biggest and best women's football teams out there. But I think given that West Ham are going in as the underdogs, that the pressure's on City, really. Um, this, the league title is now out of City's hands, now that Arsenal won it on Sunday. So I think City are really going to be gunning to win the FA Cup. Um, this weekend they've already won the Continental Cup um, but I think they'll be looking to be the only English team that can win two titles this season 
But um, I think West Ham have got a real chance. Um, we've seen them play well in recent weeks. They managed to get a draw away at Chelsea at Kingsmeadow. They knocked Reading, who are well-established with inside out in the semi-final. Um, they beat Bristol City last weekend, came back from behind to win 2-1. And um, we've seen some really impressive performances from some of the newer signings as well, like Adriana Leon. And we've got strikers like Alicia Lehman, who I think can really cause some problems for Manchester City up front. But like I said, I think the pressure's on City to get the win at Wembley and hopefully that can work in West Ham's favour. Ella, in the last couple of years, there's been real focus in the media on putting more attention on the women's game, giving it that attention it deserves and in turn helping to build its profile up gradually. We've seen this work. It's slow progress, but we had a new record for attendance at a WSL game set at Arsenal very, very recently. What have you made of that? Do you think the game is growing in stature fast enough and what more can be done to help its growth? Yeah, I think I think it's growing at the right rate, really. Um, I think we're not going to see attendances increase from 400 to, you know, 10 or 20,000 overnight. I think we've got to be patient and let the women's game grow at its own rate. I think it's actually been quite remarkable this season how much it's grown. I, I went to a Millwall game back in September and there was probably 50 to 100 people there, even that. And um, when they played Manchester United at the weekend, I think they had nearly 2,000 people there. And that's quite a remarkable increase in attendances. I think in terms of what we can do to improve those even more, I think, I genuinely think that bringing the women's game to men's stadiums, like we saw at the weekend on Sunday when um, Arsenal played Brighton at the Amex, is a really good start. I think, OK, we're not going to fill the Amex on a Sunday for a women's game at the moment, but about 3,000 more people turned up to that game than they usually would when Brighton are playing at and Crawley. So I think that's a move that we could replicate elsewhere, just to put the women's game in places where people already watch football and hopefully people will go to that one time, get hooked and want to come back for more. And Ella, we do, of course, have a Women's World Cup coming up this summer, which will, I'm sure, help build wider interest. Uh, who do you tip for that? Who you, do you think is looking particularly dangerous? It's a tricky one. I think we'll be looking at America quite closely as the holders. As always, um, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got a very strong side. But I do think that England do have a real good chance this summer. Um, we've seen them put on a string of oppressive performances at the She Believes Cup. We've got some incredibly talented players in the likes of Lucy Bonds, Frank Kirby, Nikita Paris. And I think we really do have the potential to um, to go all the way in France this summer. I think we've come third at the last two national tournaments. And I think the growth of the WSL this season as well could really um, help England to success this summer. Wonderful stuff. And if anything would help build the profile of the women's game in England, it would, of course, be an England World Cup win. It's coming home. The final question I'm going to have to ask you, Ella, is our focus is on West Ham. There's an FA Cup final coming up. How do you see it going? Tough one. I think I think it could be close. We've seen City only manage to beat Yeovil 2-1 at the weekend. Yeovil are bottom of the table um, this season. And they took the lead against City in the first minute. So I think we could keep City. Um, we could catch them by surprise early on. I think we've got the pace up front to do so. They did beat I West Ham be 7-1 earlier in the season, Ella, didn't they? They did. They did. I think West Ham have come on leaps and bounds since then. 
Have they come on seven ones worth of leaps and bounds, Ella? (laughs) Well, it's hard to judge. This is a cup final and everyone's going to be up for it, I think. West Ham had their cup final at Spurs. We've heard all about this from the Spurs fans. (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm a West Ham fan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get behind West Ham at the weekend, and I'd say maybe they can edge it to one against City. Wonderful stuff. Well, you're confident, and it's been lovely speaking to you, Ella German. There, thanks ever so much for your time. She is, of course, a sports journalist focusing on the WSL. Confident not just for West Ham, but for England's women ahead of the World Cup. That would be quite something. Back to the men's game for West Ham and Marko Arnautovic seemed to be out in the cold. In January, the head was turned by a potential move to China. He behaved very badly for my money. He issued an apology on Instagram, which at no point included the words I'm or sorry. But could he be back in the fold and could he have a future at West Ham? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. Marko Arnautovic is a man we've talked about a lot on this show. We were positive, then we were negative, then we were positive, then we just didn't care and we wanted a new striker. But it sounds like he could be hanging around. Well, I've heard, I've heard rumours. I've, I've read rumours on Twitter and you know, a few people are going, oh, he might not leave now. Um... I've heard this, I've heard that, and you know, I've not seen any sort of like concrete reports or anything. But it doesn't surprise me that suddenly that there's this talk that you know perhaps he might not go because you know as soon as someone plays relatively well, then you know that, that there's that feeling that okay maybe all all is well again and you know we can just sort of put put everything in the past and start looking forward. But I don't know with Arnie. You know we kind of knew what we were getting when we signed him initially, and it was no real surprise how it all went in January and, and what was going on. Uh, and do the you way- think that though? Sorry to interrupt. When you say it's no real surprise, I think after what Moyes done and how he genuinely seemed like he turned himself around a bit compared to the sulky we, player we, we knew, saw at Stoke. We, we knew about <clears> his <throat> temperament. We knew as much as he kept come out you know he was doing the cross cross dammers when he was celebrating and, <laughs> you know as all the players are told to do probably and you know he was telling us how much he loved the fans and you know he had a real connection to the club I, I stopped listening to that years ago because it, most of the time it is all talk from these players because they want the fans on side but do they really feel that? Do, do they? There will be. There will be. Players. It must be easier for them to go out on a Saturday and have the fans. Clap yeah, you and, and that's why they do it. Do you think Arnautovic has got a chance of getting the fans back on side? Because I remember us talking about him immediately after he last behaved disgracefully. Because there have been a few incidents, and you were basically saying that's it, that's gone. That he's never going to get us back now. Well, I mean, there will be fans out there that have already washed their hands of him, and you know. There's no interest in in seeing him mm. in claret and blue, uh, and I get that because of what what happened in January was was nothing short of a disgrace, really. I mean, it was embarrassing, um, and I I a lot of people won't agree with me. And I know Will, you, you're looking at me now. You don't agree Sorry, with me. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is a correlation between what happened with him and how our season ended up panning out, and there is a correlation to that. I re- I truly believe. That. Well, yeah, your talisman you decides know, that he can't be bothered. Five minutes after being knocked out of the FA Cup by Wimbledon. And he's on Instagram, you know, apologise well, not even apologising, just saying that he's going to stay. Uh, and then they're announcing that he's got a new contract. I mean, we, that's the last thing we needed. And if anything, we needed him on the pitch against Wimbledon. Uh, but he weren't there. He was too busy, you know, moaning that he weren't going to China and then suddenly signing a new contract. We didn't need any of that. 
okay, he played well in the second half against against Tottenham. Do you think there was an element there of him trying to put himself in the shop window for Tottenham? If he wasn't going to go to China in January, he was linked with Spurs. There were suggestions that he wouldn't mind a move there. Do you think there was an element of going, hello, Mr. Pochettino, I'm quite good? I, I don't think so. I don't think you get that much more money at Spurs. And he's obviously very money-driven. He, Like we touched on earlier on, he'd sit on the bench behind Harry Kane. And I don't think he'd get he wouldn't get that much more money at Tottenham than he would at West Ham. He's also not the sort of player Pochettino would want in his squad because he can be quite disruptive. Mm-hmm. Pochettino doesn't stand for any of that. Well, Robert Hooth came out earlier in the month, didn't he, talking about when he played with Arnautovic at Stoke, which we all thought up until January was kind of the old Marco Arnautovic. And Hooth was saying, he said, make, mo- make no mistake about it, one day Arnie would come in and he'd be happy as anything, and then for one game you'd look at him and be like, any chance of doing anything, and can you perhaps run around for us? <laughs> and that that is what everyone remembered him as. But <clears throat> one thing just to, just to counteract that thing when you calling it a disgrace what he did in January. Perhaps he didn't deal with himself in the best possible way. Perhaps. Yeah, but I am inclined to look at it from a human element where the guy was getting offered half a million pounds a week in China. And I know everyone is guilty of looking at footballers compared to, you know, the normal man's salary, if you like, and the normal man's lifestyle and going, ah, you know, but... They're already on so much money. And it is so much money for us, and it's so much money for most people. But he's he's getting, what, 140-odd grand a week at West Ham, which, again, is so much money for us. But he was still getting the chance to... He was offered or had the chance to get three times as as much money per week than he was at West Ham. And I just think in any other job, if me and you did it in our jobs, James, and someone offered us three times as much to probably have to do less for less pressure less scrutiny you know it, it just because it's football people think it's a disgrace no. but if it was us we would do it and no one would think we were weird i i don't think it's weird <laughs> or and, disgraceful and i did say back in january i did say do you know what if he leaves now i've got you know, fair play to him you know he's been offered this huge you know life-changing contract that's not to say that the contract is already on his life-changing because it is because he's on a silly amount of money um I, I just thought that, and you're, you're right, you did touch on it, that you know the way he dealt with it, it um, was poor. Mm. I think his brother didn't help matters. Agree, yeah. Well, I was about um, to say, there was a lot made of a certain Mr. Daniel's involvement there. Yeah. Do you blame him? I, I, I do blame him to an extent, but it's all very well blaming the agent, whether that's his brother or not, but the player still has the ability to come out in public and, 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 and say what he's got to say and put everything to bed. The fact that on average didn't do that, for me, uh, was the wrong thing to do. And the fact that then, five minutes after we've been knocked out of the FA Cup by you know, Wimbledon, he's signing a new contract. you got to and, remember the club and, announced and, that, though. Yeah, the club announced it. But there's a reason why he signed a new contract. His brother's, his brother's gone for it. On average, could have gone, nah, nah. Okay, I want this, I want this China deal. But I don't want it to be made public that I want the China deal. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Right? He he had the power to do that because players have more power than clubs, and we know that we've known that for years. Uh, so the way it came out, the way it all happened, he could have prevented all of that, but he didn't. He allowed it to play out the way it did. And for me, you know, if he leaves in the summer, you know, fine. Thanks for the goals you scored. 
Uh, if he don't, then you know I'll still support him. But you know, he's got. We're going to China in pre-season. He's got his chance to put himself in the shop window there. <laughs> he could just stay. Go all right. Cheers, lads. That's why we're going out there just to drop him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the old adage. I'll drive him there myself. <laughs> Pellegrini taking very, very literally. If he doesn't go. Does that change West Ham's summer? Does that ruin West Ham's summer? We've been hearing a lot of links with top strikers, the likes of Maxi Lopez, the likes of Andrea Bellotti. Is there a part of you that thinks, well, hang on, let's get rid of him, roll the dice, get someone new in with a bit more of a pedigree and just see what happens? I was thinking that earlier on. And at this stage, I'm really not sure because it was a bit of a surprise to me to when James was saying earlier on about the rumours that he might stay at the club. Although it does make sense... It just hasn't been anything we've considered even once in the whole time we've been doing the show this season. Since it all happened, every conversation we've had about who we might need to bring in or who we'll need to be getting rid of has just started on the assumption that, well, Arnautovic is leaving, so is Carroll. Hernandez doesn't really want to be there and we're not sure about Perez. And within a few short weeks, we've all of a sudden gone, oh, we, you know, well, actually, we might keep hold of Perez and, oh, Arnautovic might stay <laughs> after all. <laughs> And the, I think, on the whole, and as far as not upsetting the apple cart goes, and not we we need to make so many changes in the squad anyway. In my opinion, I think if he was to stay, that would be okay. And but the big the big thing for Pellegrini would be to start getting some some better performances out of him because there's no good him just since January. No doubt about it, he's just been six out of ten and no better than that. Well, we need, not once. We need consistency if we're going to achieve what the club wants to achieve and, and, and aims to achieve in terms of you know really putting having a real fight for top, uh, for the for at least the top seven, uh, trying to break into the top six. Uh, and I'm sure we'll touch on this in the coming weeks, but I think I think. The top six is going to be a lot more attainable than it was this year. This year. For us? Uh, for, for for a lot of clubs. And I think, uh, we won't talk about it tonight, but I think the instruction of VAR will help that. Agreed, um, totally. Um, but that's a conversation for another show. You know, Maybe in the summer we'll talk about that. But I think, you know, if we're going to really aim that high, and with the new stadium, uh, and £100 million investment last summer, and Pellegrini as manager, that is the, that is the aim. That, that's the ambition. You're going to need players in the squad that are going to be consistent. Uh, and and put a shift in week in week out. Onatovic isn't that player. He was that player. I don't think he's that player anymore. Um, and you know he, he showed it. Perfect example on Saturday against Tottenham. First half nowhere to be seen. Second half one of the best players on the pitch. You know it's all very well having one of the best players on the pitch for forty five minutes. But if we're going to really get where we want to be, we need that best player on the pitch for ninety minutes every week. Uh, and I don't. I genuinely don't think he's that player for us anymore. I don't. It's very, very true. The best player for Barcelona is, of course, a certain Mr Lionel Messi, and he's going to be in action against Liverpool very, very shortly. It's a frightening front three for Barcelona. Messi, Suarez and Coutinho, of course, with Osmane Dembele on the bench. But that front three for Liverpool isn't quite what we normally see. Roberto Firmino, of course, still fighting off an injury. So we're seeing Salah, Mane and Naby Keita in an advanced role. Could we finally see the Naby Cater we saw at Red Bull Leipzig last season. It could be a big, big night for Liverpool or it could go very wrong. Updates for you throughout the rest of the show and we'll be with you very, very shortly. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. 
And it's time to have a little think forwards for West Ham. Not to the transfer window, as we just were with reference to Marco Arnautovic, but to Southampton. It's a tricky game, potentially. It's a tricky game. Um, Ralph Harsenhut has gotten playing quite well recently. Um, they're mathematically safe from relegation. Um, and I think, you know, I think if you look ahead if even further to next season, I think Southampton will be a far better team. I think they'll be a challenger in the top half of the table. So that, you know they're, they're going you know they're going to be up for it. I think um, there is the question whether um, now they're mathematically safe, whether they might take the foot off the gas a little bit. You know, players, you know, they've got the flip flops on them on the beach. But a lot of people have said that about West Ham a couple of weeks ago, and we've we've gone and gone to Tottenham and won, you know, demolished uh, them and demolished them. So you know there is there is that, but I, I think it will be a tough game. Um, I'm sure they'll be out for revenge after we humiliated them at, in Stratford last season, three 0 When we were on the ropes um, after that, you know, infamous Burnley game only a few weeks before. So, um, and then we beat them at their, at their gaff earlier this season. So, you know, I think it'll be a tough game. I think you know Southampton are a good side. They got a lot of good players. Shane Long suddenly started started to score goals again, banging in goals after, in April. after months and months and months of not scoring, and now he's getting one every week. So. Uh, he he's one that we're gonna to have to watch out for. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't. A lot of fans, are, you know, are, are kind of after what happened on Saturday, will be expecting three points. I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as that. I think few games in the Premier League could possibly mean less than this one. Yeah, I mean, for me now, I mean, I've said it for weeks. You know, we're fighting for a top eleven finish, and that's that's important. Um, you know, <laughs> Palace Palace are right on our heels, and you know, it's a worry. Um, <laughs> you just bought it down every week. It was it, top it, seven, top it, eight, it's top a real, nine. It's a real worry. I mean, if you look at it, Palace, three points behind us, two games to go. We can't finish below Palace. That is true. I mean, it, it'd be terrible. Um, so, you know, we, we're fighting for the top 11. And, uh, you know, Southampton have got to come here and get something. <laughs> and um, I will love it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> I was getting that, getting to that point. No, I, you know, I, I, I don't want us to see us drop below 11th. You know, after all that hope of finishing seventh. Uh, that's now mathematically impossible. Um, we we've got we can't finish any any below eleventh. We've got to we've got to just make sure we consolidate eleventh place. It's important. <laughs> is is it important? No. I mean, obviously, obviously you're on the wind up, but there is money at stake for each Premier League position. Of course, we are talking somewhere around the million pound mark. So, is there a relevant consideration? Would perhaps the money men behind the club be thinking, "Go on, just." Hop another couple of places. We won't hop another couple of places. I think it'll be, it'll be a, a push to finish 10th. Um, yeah, but 11th, right. 11th is doable. Um, Watford last game of season, I don't fancy because getting anything at Vicarage Road. No, but you, um, you but say that. Home, last time game of the season, let's finish on a high. Let's finish on a high. You say that about no chance of finishing 10th. And although I was inclined to agree with you before, Watford are away to Chelsea. And then we've got us. So if we beat Southampton, they'll likely lose to Chelsea. They're... Like, and then it's that last game for top half. And to be fair, they got an FA Cup final on the, uh, the, the following week, yeah. so they'll be resting players left, right, and And I can't remember who it was, but we played a team very recently who used an upcoming cup game as an excuse as why they lost to us. Oh, it's, yeah, you know, it was it. You know, it was Tottenham. Oh, Tottenham at the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but good banter. Yeah, I, I honestly, I do think that with I thought after the last game that our top ten hopes were dead. Um, until we played and obviously with Tottenham coming up I didn't see us getting anything there you know quite some time ago but I, I think now all of a sudden 
that because that, that really got to me that not finishing the top half especially when we've been rabbiting on all season about the race for seventh and all of a sudden it looked like we weren't even finishing in the top 10 I was like oh this is mortifying it's just another average season like last year but you'd hope Watford would lose to Chelsea not that Chelsea's form is anything you can bet any serious money on at the moment mm. you think Watford might lose to them and then it all comes down to that game with us and them on the last game of the season if we beat Southampton at the weekend still feasible but it would be very West Ham to yeah. stagger to a one-all draw against Southampton this weekend Is there a case of what might have been for you when you look back on this season because there was we were debating for a long time not will West Ham get seventh but do we want it as if it was West Ham's to either claim or reject as we decided as we saw fit do you think is there now a part of you that now the decision's been made by other sides on your behalf, would you have quite liked that Europa League qualification? I mean, I've always been a big advocate for it. I've, I've said, what's the point of football if not? If you don't yeah. strive for that place and try to finish as high up in the table as you can every single season, then what are we all doing here? Then, mm. uh, so I still think that is true, but I think we're just guilty this season, and I honestly believe it, of buying into the narrative around the club, whereas I know Pellegrini's kind of been a one-man band of shouting big team mentality which I'm a big fan of and I know you hate James mm. but we're in the press it's still very much oh oh look West Ham might might come seventh as if it's a bit of a novelty or a bit of a surprise and I think the the players just they've inadvertently maybe just bought into that and there's games that we've lost at home that we really shouldn't have lost at home just poor games after we had the run of four wins around Christmas time we had a spell after that. It was really disappointing. I think we dropped points to Burnley away. It was Watford and Bournemouth at home, or Brighton at home, sorry. And it was just really disappointing. There was no big uproar or furor around, oh, my God, West Ham have dropped points they shouldn't have dropped. It was like, oh, well, they're still doing all right. And I think just the players just buy into that, and I think that's why you end up in an average position in the yeah. season. It's kind of like, oh, it's all right. Well, I mean, this season has frustrated me more than more than a lot. I think probably more so than some of our sort of relegation battle seasons. And the reason for that is that you now we've beaten Tottenham, we've beaten Arsenal, we've beaten Chelsea, Man United, we've beaten Man United. Uh, we should have beaten, should have done a double over Man United. Mm. You know, really, you know, we've we've you know, we've drawn at home to Liverpool in the game which we, which we should have won. Um, you know, we've we've drawn with Chelsea. You know, we've we've got some results against all the big six teams. We narrowly lost to to City away one nil. Now we've played really well against all the top six teams at some stage, if not both games, at least one or the other. But then we've lost to Cardiff, we've lost to Burnley, um, we've lost to. Um, it was Brighton. Lost to Brighton. They did a double over the, us, I think. The Bournemouth, Bournemouth have done the double over us. Brighton, we we did draw at home against Brighton. Didn't mm. we, I think. Oh, sorry, but, yeah, it was Bournemouth. Uh, yeah. Brighton taking four points of us, you know. Um, that is frustrating. And, you know, a team that keeps banging on about big team mentality, well, you know, if you're big team mentality, you've got to do it against the smaller clubs as well. It's all very well turning up against the top six, um, but you've got to do it against the smaller clubs. And for me, that's been the biggest frustration for us this season. Um, So I'd want us to to take the final two games of the season against Southampton and Watford seriously and actually go, if we can finish the season with two wins or four points or whatever... Um, without losing, I think you know we can really go into the summer and go into next season with a lot of positivity. Uh, go into the end of the season, four games unbeaten, 
Um, if we finish tenth, great. Eleventh positions an improvement on last season. Okay, we'll you know we'll swallow. It's not seventh, but you know it, it, you can't turn your nose up at it being an okay season. But at the same time, it's been frustrating. But we need to take positivity into that summer. Exactly, and I agree. And we have already had a better season than last year. Yeah. Regardless of position, we've already got four more points than we finished with last year. We're, uh, we've got an eleven better goal difference than we did when we finished the season with at the moment. So if we if we can finish on on a like a, a, with a strong finish, if you like, regardless of position, although it is annoying if we don't finish in the top ten. I think points wise and general goals for goals against the club is moving in the right direction, mm. which makes it a little bit less frustrating than it could have been. Yeah, and of course the first step in the club moving in the right direction comes this weekend against against Southampton. Massively important not to show them too much respect, but equally important to take the game very, very seriously. Coming up, we'll be speaking to James Truscott, who's a commentator for the BBC and, of course, a Southampton fan, to find out how they'll be approaching the game. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. Quick goal late updates for you. Derby 1-0 up away at Swansea. Potentially a big game for Frank Lampard's side there. And it's still Barcelona 0, Liverpool 0. How long do you think it's going to stay that way? Not too much longer, I hope. Yeah, hopefully Liverpool get a goal. Yeah, so you're backing uh, Liverpool. I'm backing Liverpool. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So you're backing Liverpool for both the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah. Honestly, I think last week, Johnny, on the way out of the studio, I heard James humming, "You'll never walk alone." <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I make no no, no secret of it. I, I quite like Liverpool as a football club. I quite like Liverpool as a football club as well. You're shaking your head. Nobody else seems to. Our producer is growling at me, but. Liverpool, of course, in turn, are very, very keen on Southampton. They've given them a few players over the years. They'll forgive them, Dayan Lovren, after they repaid them with Virgil van Dijk. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by James Truscott, who's a BBC commentator and also a Southampton fan. Good evening, James. Thanks ever so much for joining us. First off, Hasenhutl has done a fantastic job. How's he viewed down there? Yeah, definitely. Very, very positively, I think, since Ralph Hasenhutl has taken charge, um, Southampton are, I think, in the top half or at 11th in terms of results. Um, so it's definitely had a positive impact on the team. And that's why having trimmed the playing squad in January, having been affected by injuries, and of course he's got you know, none of his own players. He's working with um, Fred Bear's squad that he's inherited. James, what what is it that Harsen Hootel's really sort of given Newcastle in terms of? Uh, What's he given to Newcastle? Uh, not Newcastle, <laughs> Southampton. I don't know why. I said, why did I say Newcastle? Um, yeah, in terms of you know the play, is he is he changed a lot in terms of the playing style tactically a lot better. Um, you know, I mean, and does this look like you know we could see Southampton sort of with, with a little bit of investment pushing in the top half of the table where a lot of people would say they belong next season? Yeah, hopefully. I mean. Investment thing I'd uh, caution to, but I think that what Hans Neutral's done is instill a clear identity in the team that you're seeing with certain managers at top clubs. And I think with a lot of the mid table or lower clubs in the Premier League, like ourselves, um, obviously like, like West Ham, I think there's, there, there, there's really a lack of a clear identity when managers come in. It's almost like every manager is an interim manager. You know, they come in, sign a few players, you know, do their thing and then leave. But I think what Hasenhut has done is it's instilled a kind of long-term vision, a clear playing identity, kind of counter-attacking um, style. Um, and 
either a three-four-two-one or we're playing four four at the back, something more of a kind of four-two-two-two. I think I said too many twos there, but <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I think that's definitely been evident, and also a willingness to work on the players that we to work on the players that we haven't coached them. We haven't really seen that since Pochettino, really, someone who came in and actually improved the players we had. Because in January, what really struck me was that Halsenhutel wanted us to trim the squad and wanted us to get rid of players, and that was and that was actually a, like a decision that he took. We were interested in a few signings here and there, but he made it very clear that signings wasn't a priority and that there was a lot of dead wood that he wanted to do, whereas other managers he had recently have just been, you know, begging the board to splash some cash on, you know, a particular player that they want. James, you you touch on it there about the the board. I think with, with Southampton from from a neutral's point of view or from afar, there's been this idea that a lot of football fans were just waiting for that bubble to burst because they, they had obviously players like Gareth Bale, Lovren, Tadic, Lalana, Klein. They've all, you know, been excellent players for Southampton. And there was this on sort of belief that the selling mentality of the club, it just couldn't continue for too much longer. And I think earlier in the season, there was generally a sense of, oh, the bubble's finally burst and, you know, they're going to get their comeuppance and, and finally go down. But that that selling club philosophy, they haven't got any like huge stars, maybe other than Ward Prowse at the moment. What is the club's philosophy from like a board level at the moment going forward? That is probably the most difficult question to answer at the moment because we don't really have much of a board because um, we had our Swiss owners for for a long time and they're quite wealthy, but I don't think they were, you know, really that keen on investing that that much. The club was more or less been self-sufficient they sold 70 percent of the stake to um a chinese man who's been quite mysterious hasn't really made any statements or really spoken publicly so people don't know what his intentions are or how much he's intending to invest of any at all and um the director of football we had les reed um and the technical director in terms of the club and its academy martin hunter and the chairman ralph kruger they've all left so those three people that have kind of presided over the selling culture of the club, they've all left. Um, so the philosophy of board level and from, you know, a type of, you know, in terms of making signings and all that, that's really unclear because we don't actually have anybody in place at the moment. So I guess when we do appoint someone, we'll know. But um, it's a bit murky. And I think that's the one thing that worries fans. It's like, okay, it's clear we need investment, but I'm not sure whether we'll actually back the manager when it comes to the summer. Um, or, or even, or not, in, or at least not in a big way. I think when it comes to Premier League clubs, you've still got one of the lowest transfer records. I mean, obviously, West Ham, you've seen you guys splash the cash on players like Felipe Anderson. And I think even though there are bargains to be had in the transfer market, and we've been one of the best teams in terms of getting them, I think a lot of the time you do get what you pay for. And if you do, if you are prepared to spend that little bit extra on a proven talent like Felipe Anderson, you'll reap the rewards of it. Um, yeah, I mean, James. There's a lot that even even Newcastle and Almiron, you know, they broke their transfer record and they spent way more on him than we've ever spent on any player. And Newcastle at board level, obviously, much maligned. So I think that says a lot about our transfer dealings. Mm, Southampton, of course, operating with a relatively restricted budget, but there are still some very, very impressive players in that squad. And who do you see as the danger man coming into this West Ham fixture? Well, um, you guys mentioned. Um, James Will Prowse, um, he's one player that's just been absolutely incredible under Hasenhutl. It's it's really bizarre because under 
previous managers such as Mark Hughes, certain players who couldn't even get into the match day squads. I think Messi um, would look quite bad under Mark Hughes. <laughs> yeah, 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 to be fair. Most yeah, most players would. But I think that's the thing, because Bednarek wasn't making a match day squad, now he's our best centre back. Well Prowse is on the bench or out of the match day squad and he's our key player. He's now the I think the top scoring English midfielder in the Premier League this season. And obviously got um an England regal. So I think um Warprow's definitely one to watch. Weirdly Shane Shane Long's in form. Um and across the month of April he was really, really good. Um I think he definitely suits Harden Hootles, you know, high pressing, kind of fast paced, um, counter attacking style. So from an attacking perspective, probably um Warprow's and Shane Long. Mm, Shane Long, of course, who now holds the proud record of the quickest ever goal in the Premier League. The biggest question of all, of course, James, is how you think the game's going to go. Score prediction, please. Oh, oh, um, oh, in recent years, we haven't done well against West Ham. I was at the I was at the home fix for St Mary's where we lost two one. Um, oh dear, going to go for a draw, two two draw. 2-2 draw. You think there'll be goals? Fair enough. Well, James, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thanks ever so much for your yeah, time. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No, our pleasure. Absolutely. That was James Truscott there, who's a BBC commentator and, of course, a Southampton fan. Interesting to see him highlight the fact that Southampton haven't spent all that much money still doing fairly good things. If I were a Southampton fan, I think I would be citing that 75 million quid for Virgil van Dijk and going, Oi! Where's all that gone? But still, I'm not, so they get away with it for now. Will they get away with it against West Ham at the weekend? Coming up, we'll be asking, how should West Ham approach the game? This is Love Sport. It's Johnny Burrow and West Ham World here on Love Sport Radio for your West Ham fan show. And the big news for West Ham ahead of that game against Southampton is that a certain Mr Pablo Zabaleta has put pen to paper on a new deal. Yeah, I think it's it's a harmless announcement. You know, I think I think what Paolo Zabaleta offers us um, is probably more valuable off the pitch than it is on the pitch uh, at this stage in his career. I mean, given what he's achieved in his career, particularly in, in the Premier League with Man City, I think his experience, his knowledge, his presence in that dressing room, with the uh, particularly amongst the youngsters like Dean Garner. Um, and Declan Rice and, and Fredericks is really important too. Fredericks um, and you know even a lot of the other youngsters that can have Josh Cullen when he comes back next year. You know, it's just sort of having that presence in the dressing room is invaluable, I believe. And I think Pellegrini's seen that they've got a really good relationship from their time at City as well. So I think I think it's a good move, um, relatively harmless decision. I is think. he not a bit old? Well, I don't. I, I think. I think this extension, this one-year extension, is probably less. As I said, that less about sort of what he can offer us on the pitch. I, I don't doubt the fact that you know he can still be an important member of the squad uh, and play a, a quite an important role on the pitch. But I think. I think this is more about off the pitch now, um, and more what he can offer in terms of um, advice, presence, and you know, and um, an experience in the dressing room. I think. I mean. What's quite nice as well, I touched on it earlier on with Mikel Antonio, who is a man who I think is happy at the club. And Zabaleta in his statement uh, this afternoon when, when the news was confirmed, he's come out and said, it's great news, I'm so happy, I'm enjoying my time at West Ham, I've got so much respect and so much passion for the profession, I'm still enjoying it, it's made me feel I can go for another year. I just want to focus on what we're doing with the club and with the team and be ready to go again next year because I want to enjoy every single moment. And I, I sort of get the feeling that him signing a new deal is he 
he realises his career is coming to an end, obviously, and he's mentioned before about wanting to play abroad and in, I think, Qatar, he's mentioned playing. So he's obviously got that in his mind that he wants that one big pay packet. He's obviously had a few offers as well. But I think he realises, and I think he could have taken them this season, couldn't he? But he obviously realises that he's probably still got it and can do it for probably one more season in the Premier League, which mm. is why he's only signed another year deal. But I think the what I hope to see happen now is that he is very much the backup right back and that we put a lot of time and effort into developing Fredericks next season because I think it's time for him to for him to step up. And I think Do you think he's good enough? I mean, we saw him be very, very reckless off the bench against United. He made me look very silly because he was being brought on as a sub and I turned to my housemate and I said, oh, Fredericks, he's decent. Two minutes later, bang, penalty, moron. But then he was <laughs> he was fantastic in the game at the weekend where West Ham became the first away team ever to win at Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium, wasn't he? He was brilliant then. Oh, did we do that the weekend? I, I, we did. I hadn't heard that. that. Saturday that we, was. You really should have mentioned that earlier in the show. <laughs> oh, it must have slipped our mind. Yeah, and I think he was fantastic then. And I do. He, he's a young player and I do think he has got. he's still got a lot to learn. But I think it's important next season, especially with Zabaleta around, to have that sort of mentor. I think we should really be nurturing Fredericks so I think he's got all the tools at this stage of his career to become a, an outstanding and long term yeah. Premier League right back for West Ham mm. and I think with Zabaleta there in the background guiding him and mentoring him as, as the statement from the club said today he's an, a leader and an inspiration and he's a consummate professional on and off the field and I think for Fredericks to be there to have someone like that around to look up to a man who's won the Premier League as one of the greatest right backs in the world as he was at the time to have someone like that around for him to develop I think it would be fantastic and I just hope that that's the way the club play it next season absolutely it would be a good addition turning our attention towards Southampton how do you approach this one because Southampton of course have very little to play for apart from that hallowed moving up the table you of course are still in strict contention for 11th place is there perhaps a worry that this could be a bit of a damp squib? There is that worry, isn't there? It's always a worry when West Ham are playing. <laughs> yeah, when squib. West Ham play football, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think there is that worry because neither team have got anything to play for. Um, well, we do. We still got eleven to play for, but um, and tenth. And uh, yeah, okay, and tenth. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but if I was Pellegrini, I, w- I would go in unchanged with this one. Um, same mindset, you know, get them, get at them, you know, play some nice football, not the ball about, keep possession, because uh, that's you know it, it, the last few games that's how we played. Okay, we were a little bit slow at the blocks against Leicester, but um, uh, it came good, I thought. Um, and against Tottenham, we were superb for ninety minutes. That that result will give them everything they need. Um, to go into the rest of the season with a bit of confidence. We've got a big goal update for you, just squeaking in before the end of the show. It is Barcelona 1, Liverpool 0. It's a big, big goal for the men from Catalonia. Various people in the studio, not least William Pugh, looking quite happy. Luis Suarez, the man to get the goal there, assisted by Jordi Alba. The big question is, did he celebrate? That's a question we'll answer for you very, very shortly. There are Liverpool fans just weeping right now, just really, really heartbroken. That must be tough. Shame. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? Pro- yeah. There's no sympathy here at all. I've had it happens, and our producer, who's a Fulham fan, has just got in my ear and gone, brilliant to see. So <laughs> I, for one, hope Liverpool get back into this game. All the best to them. But it's that point in the show, it's raced by where I have to press you two for your prediction for the upcoming game. It is, of course, Southampton. They're dangerous, they're lively, they're working on a relatively small budget. But how's it going to go? Well, as I was right last week with the 1-0 against Tottenham at the new stadium, I think it will be another 1-0 to West Ham. We'll sneak it. I was going to go 1-0, Antonio winner. It's been about four days since he last got a winner for us. So, uh, (laughs) again... 1-0 1-0 Antonio winner. 1-0 Antonio winner. He's a cult hero. He may not have the finest technique in all of football, but he's a man who West Ham love. And did he score a goal last week? He did in West Ham's first away win at Tottenham's new stadium. Oh, right. Yeah, there I was a goal. that happened. Yeah, that must have slipped my mind. Why don't we talk about that more? <laughs> Bizarre. Join us next week on the West Ham Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.